All right, welcome back to another episode of the Pylon Podcast. I'm Cantley Elliott here with Preston Brown and Emilio Pena. Uh, good to be back on here with you guys. It's been a couple of weeks. Our teams have kind of, you know, been all over the place. So I'm gonna, I'm excited to break it down with you guys today. For sure. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so apparently Deshaun Watson. That's I would say since we have a lot of quarterback talk for today, that's kind of the biggest thing right now. So if you're looking at you know Deshaun Watson and I guess the Browns the rest of their season, what's going to look like Preston, I'll start with you. You know, what are you expecting out of them? I guess. Yeah, it's tough, uh, especially seeing Deshaun have such a great second half lead them to a comeback victory where the Ravens were over there dancing, Odell Beckham having a good time and to, to go through all that adversity and find a win. It really looked like they were going to start being on the track to get into the playoffs. But now when you lose the quarterback, when he's getting his moxie back, it's going to be a little tough, but I, I think their defense will have them in every game. Uh, Coach Schwartz and those guys do a great job finding ways to put Miles Garrett on the weakest lineman. He gets sacks and sacks every single week, and those guys are flying around. So I think they'll find a way to create turnovers, give them a short field that is just up to that rookie quarterback to make some plays because he has some guys on the outside. But without the shine, it's going to be tough to stay ahead of the Bengals. Yeah. And I guess I want to ask you, too, before I go to Emilio on this. Um, You look at DTR. He's going to start now. And obviously, it seems like he's going to be who you're going with, you know, moving forward for the rest of the year. But let's just say he gets in there, you know, makes some mistakes and everything. If you keep pulling him out and switching between him and P.J. Walker, I mean, at what point, you know, is that like a disservice to the team or do you just kind of let him play through those mistakes, you think? Yeah, I think you got to put him out there and just leave him out there. I wouldn't put Walker out there because you kind of know what he is. I don't think he's that much better than DTR is right now, but DTR could be, you know, a very dynamic quarterback. So you kind of want to let him get his bumps, get his bruises and learn from his mistakes and then go out there and make great plays after those mistakes and see if he could really be a guy that you could have behind the shine and maybe trade in the offseason to get some pieces because if he, I think he can show that he can win some games, but it's going to be up to him to really get through that rookie wall and find a way because they're going to start scheming him up each and every week. They'll learn more and more. So as the season goes, I want to see if he can continue to progress or if he's just going to jump off a cliff. Amelia, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a gut punch for the Browns to lose Watson, especially like Preston said after that second half performance, he had going 14 for 14 and um, being essentially flawless while passing. Um, it was such a like gritty come from behind win too. It's like, you get that touchdown, and then, like, out of nowhere, like, a pick six to almost level it, you know, missed, missed a PAT, obviously, but ultimately you win. Um, and the way your schedule's looking out the rest of the year, too, it's not like it's the Bengals' schedule, which, I mean, we might get to. I'm not sure. Um, so it's definitely a massive gut punch, but uh, I'm with Preston. Like, you got to ride it out with the rookie, and, um, you know, he's got a higher ceiling, much higher ceiling than – PJ Walker, we know what he's going to bring to the table. And, um, you know, you could, you could argue like, yeah, like he was really close in that Seahawks game and he was the quarterback for the win against the 49ers. But you could also argue like if they had like a more confident quarterback then they, they should have won that Seahawks game and it wouldn't have come down to Jake Moody missing that kick for the Niners. So yeah, I guess right out with the rook, he got a, he kind of got a dealt a bad hand against the Ravens earlier in the year kind of getting told like you're going to start basically like 90 minutes before the game and having like zero preparation for the week. So surely he'll be better this time around. 
Yeah, that's actually a good point. I was I was gonna touch on that a little bit too. Was it it did feel like he got dealt a bad hand? Like you know, your first game is against you know the Baltimore Ravens, who I think the Ravens even have an argument for you know best defense in the league. It might not have seemed like it last week, but for sure. prior to the game last week, I saw where Baltimore they'd only given up like I think ten points at home was the most, or either was their average. So at home, I mean, their defense was pretty good. So I mean, I think you know DTR having that start against them last time was kind of like, I didn't really have much of an opinion on him, I guess, after that. And even really this game against the Steelers, you know, if he goes out there and, you know, has some troubles and struggles a little bit, you look, you know, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, I mean, they made Deshaun Watson's life hell last time the Browns played them. And I know the Steelers are secondaries banged up a little bit too. So I just think there's so many factors that play into this game and played in the last time we saw DTR where like, I can't, say I'll have like a real opinion on him after this game, but I'm in total agreement with you guys, ride it out and I guess see what happens for the rest of the season. Cause the AFC, I mean, as we all know and expect it's a tight race right now and you know, anything can happen. So you kind of got to just work with uh, what you have. Cause the Browns essentially, I mean, they've kind of had to work through injuries all year, whether it be Chubb, Jack Conklin on the offensive line, Deshaun Watson. Now, I mean, they've always kind of had to pivot. So this just seems like another one they're going to have to roll with, I guess, um, moving forward. But um, the quarterback situation for the Browns, I think, is a perfect segue, Emilio, for for Josh Dobbs. You know, yeah. I mean, we keep saying like, oh, well, what if we had him still? What if we had him? And I mean, you can't you can't say you have the same result for what Josh Dobbs is doing now in Minnesota because, I mean, completely different pieces, completely different team and organization. So um, I guess what are you making of him right now for your boys? Yeah, plus two, like it's unfair mm-hmm. to give the Browns a hard, um, you know, give them a hard time about it because like when the trade deadline happened, like Watson was, I mean, he was injured, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going to miss Watson for an extended period of time. Like sure. He'll be back next week type of deal. So it's unfair that they're kind of getting a bad rep for that. But yeah, I mean, um, I think the last time we, we did this was right before the 49ers game. And, you know, I was mumbling around saying like, maybe we'll win, maybe we won't um, ultimately, you know, haven't lost since, uh, but lost Kirk Cousins for the season. And, you know, when it happened, like, it was pretty sad. It was like, dang, the season's over. Like what's there to play for at this point. But, um, you know, the team has rallied behind Josh Dobbs, getting him after the trade deadline. He's been playing well. The uh, added mobility kind of just brings an add element to the offense that you didn't have with Kirk cousins and um, hall, Jared hall, the rookie that was supposed to start in front of Dobbs. But I mean, yeah, like it's exciting, but um, you definitely wonder when it'll end. He's, bounced around like five teams and like a calendar year for a reason. So uh, there's some skepticism there from a, from a fan, but I guess like that was, that was kind of my question for you, Preston, as a, as a definitely a, a better football mind. Like I'm sure, surely like this uh, little miracle, it kind of feels like Lynn Sandy um, back like 10, 11 years ago in the NBA. Like this is kind of what this Josh Dobbs run kind of feels like, like it surely it'll end. Like Vikings aren't going to go on like some kind of playoff run. Right. I don't know. I mean, sometimes it just be a magical year with how smart he is. Uh, I think anything is possible because he has the confidence now. I mean, we all saw the talent all the way back at Tennessee that he could be, you know, a surefire top guy in the league. It's just he never put it together. I was with him in Jacksonville um, and <laughs> for a couple of weeks when I was down there. You could just tell he's a, he's a smart guy, always answering questions, team meeting, special teams meeting, whatever. If he's in the room, he's answering all the questions. So, I think now he has so much confidence. I think like he's he's broken to my TikTok algorithm. I see him on Gruden camp and all this stuff now. Like he is taking over 
it's kind of like his story is one of the biggest story in the NFL right now. And they want to keep it going. And I don't see why he can't because he's making plays with his legs, with his arm. He's throwing people open. He's throwing deep routes to Addison and then making everybody look good. And then you get a Christmas gift with Justin Jefferson coming back at some point, I think will boost his spirits and it's going to open up things. So I, I don't see it stopping. Uh, I don't want it to stop because it's a great story. But I, I feel like, you know, anything could happen, but he's just he's just playing so well and he's so smart that I think those two and then the head coach just mashing well with him. I think they got something cooking over there. Yeah, that's probably my favorite part about it, too, is because, like, like I said, like, we were ready to end the season. Like, it's over. Let's just punt for next year. But, um, you know, doubling down, it just gives you confidence in the culture that's being established around the team, from from my perspective, at least. You know, not selling at the deadline, keeping some of these players rolling the dice on, uh, you know, Daniil Hunter and some of these other guys that, you know, they they could very well, very well leave in the, in the offseason. But those types of moves will surely make them want to stay. I just – I want to throw this out there for you guys real quick about the Vikings. Cause I'm just curious when you're looking at, you know, kind of how the NFC like playoff picture and everything is shaping up. If we look at the NFC it's pretty top heavy. I think we can all agree. It's maybe like three or four teams really. And everybody else kind of falls underneath that. If you, if the Vikings do like, let's say get like, you know, a wild card spot or whatever, if they matched up against like the Cowboys first say or something, I don't necessarily know if that's like a gimme for the Cowboys. Cause you look at kind of how up and down they've been all year. I know they'll beat up on the Giants and everything, and, you know, people have their opinions on them being so good after that. But the Vikings, I mean, like, they've had a couple games this year where you're like, you didn't think they were going to win, but they did. So, I mean, even if they did get in the playoffs, I mean, like, their matchup definitely would matter. And I wouldn't say they'd make a run, like, at the Super Bowl or anything, but I don't think they're a team to sleep on either. For sure. With Brian Flores, got the helm on defense, too. He's totally, totally turned this defense around. They're playing on a very, very high level. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely uh, a team I think we need to watch out for. But I, I, I will say a team I've kind of moved off, though, and Preston, you threw it in the group message, uh, Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen was your quarterback for today. So so what so what's your opinion on Josh Allen right now? Are you are you off the Josh Allen bandwagon or what is it? Yeah, I, I personally have never been on it. Um, I just think he's he's too reckless. He's wild. He, he's very athletic. He does great things, but it's just it's always those one or two plays. And usually guys used to drop those passes because they're coming so hard and fast and up, but now they're catching them. And I I just don't like it. I, I don't I don't like the the cowboy nature of how he plays the game. Just like with Lamar, it's kind of similar, you know, how they drop the ball, so many fumbles, so many interceptions. It's like I just want a guy who's gonna throw it to the right guy, you know, make the right reads and then run, get down, slide, don't try to run guys over. And he's just too all over the place. So now we're going to see if he's a coach killer or a coach promoter because, you know, Dable, they really were a good marriage and it helped him get a head coaching job. But now you see all these other coaches and now you can feel McDermott starting to feel that heat a little bit. So he's starting to get rid of Coach Frazier on defense is gone. And now he's got rid of the offensive coordinator. So now all the blame is going to go to Coach McDermott. So Josh Allen's going to have to pull McDermott with him or they're going to have a new coach there in the next couple of years. I just I just kind of wonder, like, for Buffalo, in the grand scheme of things, if they don't get it done this year, where do they even fall in the AFC? Because I actually had this discussion with um, a guy I did our, our college football podcast with. And when you're looking at the Big Ten, obviously it's Ohio State and Michigan, Big Ten for right now. But this year it's kind of been a little bit different because Ohio State struggles with Maryland. 
but Penn State blows Maryland out. Ohio State and Penn State, they kind of had a little bit of a matchup. And it's just you can't really see, like, who's getting ahead. And I kind of feel like the AFC is the same way right now because you look at um, Miami. You thought after they beat the Broncos, they hung 70 on them. I was like, oh, it's Miami. They lose to Buffalo. And then you look at Buffalo loses to the Jets in week one. So it's almost like where do they even fit in really, you think, at this point? Yeah, they're, they're fighting for a wild card spot, in my opinion. And you look around, you look at Houston starting to ascend. You look at Jacksonville, kind of teeter-totter a little bit, but I still feel they're better than Buffalo and have a better record. So you got to go catch those guys. And I don't see them having a better record than the Bengals if it goes down and they already lost the head-to-head. So you don't want to be at the same level that they are, and they're all in that 5-4, five 5-5 and four, five and five kind of range. And I just, I don't see, this was their year, you know, before they blow it up. I mean, they said Stefan Diggs has the most targets in the league, but he's way off on the yard. So is he not getting the targets that he really wants? If he's getting just bubbles, is he getting these little slants? Or is he getting deep down the field routes like uh, Hill and these guys are who already have over a thousand yards? A.J. Brown, he has like 800 and something yards, but the most targets. So I can see why he'd be a little frustrated dealing with that and then having a defensive head coach you can't really, you know, go up there and talk to that guy because he's just, we're going to run the ball. We're going to stop play hard defense, whatever, whatever. So he needs somebody in there who can help uh, merge these relationships. And I hope Brady uh, has a good relationship with everybody in that building so he can maneuver the rest of the season because it's kind of weird letting him go, uh, Dorsey go in the middle of the season like that when it's kind of on a defense and quarterback more than it was the OC in my opinion. Yeah. Begs the question too, if they don't mess up that whole field goal situation against the Broncos, like and they win that game, does Ken Dorsey get fired or is it, you know, just they get a win, they move on? Yeah, they definitely don't fire him after that. You know, they might have uh demoted him or said it's co-officer coordinators the next week or something throughout the week, but they wouldn't have fired him mm-hmm. like that. Escape I mean, code. I I got a, a heart for him because I love Miami Hurricanes growing up. So I love Dorsey and to see how they did him it just didn't make no sense. I just don't like when you let people go in the middle of the season like that. But I uh, McDermott, I think, is trying to save his own butt and put all the blame on those guys instead of looking at the whole defense that you're now in charge of. You gotta find ways to get people off the field. Yeah, I've, I've never been a fan either of the whole, like, firing people, like, in the middle of the season, unless it's just, like, how Urban Meyer was a couple of years ago with the Jags. <laughs> then, like, sure, whatever. But, I mean, Buffalo, like, when you're still in the mix and, you know, like we said, that conference can go pretty much any way at this point. I mean, it's all just, like, what do you really do at this point? Like, how much better can you get? So, yeah, I mean, the Buffalo Bills right now, for me, um, I, I'm not – I'm kind of off of them right now, you know. Like, it's just I don't feel the same way as I did a couple of years ago. Um, so well, I guess we'll see how it shakes out for them this year. But looking at games for this weekend, um, there's not the best late, but there are a couple that I had circled. But uh, Emilio, I'll start with you. What's the game for this weekend you had your eye on? Uh, before I go, I wanted to make sure that yours yeah. was not the Browns game. It was not the Browns game, no. Okay, well, I'm going to go with the Browns game because the okay. winner of the Browns and Steelers, uh, the winner of that will take the lead for the division, assuming, well, that is if the, uh, if the Bengals win to, uh, in the Thursday night matchup. So um, Browns-Steelers, whoever wins that, will take first pl- first place of the AFC North. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, I had to stay away from my boys. Preston, who do you have this week? I'm looking forward to the Raiders-Dolphins. I just, I love what Pierce is doing over there uh, with the Raiders, and I really want to, 
I really want him to have success, you know, to open that pipeline for mm -hmm. African-American head coaches, you know, to kind of jump that line because they let all the old, uh, younger white quarterbacks who failed at making it, you know, the O'Connells, the Zach Taylors, they can be head coaches pretty fast, but they'll put a black guy who was a Hall of Famer for <laughs> be a linebacker coach or a D-line coach for 20 years. And I just love to see him jumping from linebacker uh, coach to being a head coach interim, but I love what they're doing. So I'm rooting for them to win every game. They're like a 13 and a half point favorite though versus Dolphins. So that'd be a good win. Yeah. I'm surprised either of you guys went with the primetime game. So I feel like both primetime games are kind of good this week. So Sunday night, Emilio, your boys are playing the Broncos and you know, with the Broncos kind of starting to heat up a little bit too. And um, you look at all the five and five teams in the AFC right now, the Broncos have a chance to be in that mix if they get a win. Um, you know, against the Vikings on Sunday. But like you said, Emilio, you look at the Vikings right now and what they're doing. I mean, it's impressive. So I think that's actually going to be a good game. And then Monday night's game, the uh, uh, Chiefs and the Eagles. Super Bowl. Super Bowl rematch, yeah. Um, I think that's going to tell us a lot about the Chiefs more so than the Eagles, I would guess, because the Chiefs, I mean, they've kind of, you know, hung their hat all year on defense at least. And, you know, I'll be curious to see if their offense can kind of get going against a pretty – decent Eagles defense, I guess. So um, there's going to be a lot in that game. I think it's going to tell us a lot about both of those teams, but I just kind of want to see how the chiefs are, are looking against, you know, an elite team and should be, it should be a fun game. It'll be fun to talk about it with you guys next week on here. For sure. For sure. So, well, yeah, that's all I, I got for today's podcast. You guys got anything to add before we, before we hop off here? Uh, score predictions for tonight. Oh, I'm going to go um, 20 to 17 Bengals. Give me 24. Give me 24, 18 Ravens. I'll go 27 to 14 Ravens. Ravens. Whoa. Okay. It's tough. Bengals are pretty injured. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just want the Ravens to win the division so bad because like I, I predicted it before the season started and I got a lot of crap <laughs> for it. So, like, if the Browns finish second, I won't be mad. But if they finish first, I won't be mad either. But, like, if anybody finishes first, I want it to be the Ravens. It's not the Browns. So, so there's there's a lot on the line for, for my bragging rights and my pride. So, um, I appreciate you guys hopping on here. Always fun talking with you. Can't wait to do it again next week. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah. For sure. Well, all right, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Pylon Podcast. We'll see you next time.